0: The PokeSport Podcast is sponsored by Downtown Barbershops here in Stillwater. They're located at 609 South Main Street. That's 609 South Main Street. You can give them a call. 405-269-8590. 405-269-8590. Randall, the owner, hair doc, gives the best cuts in town. In fact, I'm getting my hair cut this Friday, and Marshall, he's going to be in there later that afternoon. Marshall, you know, you and I, we've been getting our hair cut there for a while, and, there's there's nothing quite like downtown barbershop.
1: No, I mean it's a really cool atmosphere. I mean it's not a not a super big place, which which it makes it feel kind of more personal. You get to have nice conversations as you're going. I don't really like when you're at a barbershop and everyone's just like super quiet and not talking and mm-hmm. everything. But no, this is a, a super friendly place. They got a good atmosphere and it's a uh, a good product. They they cut your hair very uh, very well.
0: Absolutely. It's got an old school feel to it. They got great tunes on all the time. Randall, Joe and Rhonda hook you up with the best cut in town. They do children's haircuts, buzz haircuts, traditional haircuts, military haircuts, razor fades and mustache and beard trims. And they go old school. They do the hot towel. They do the lather and the safety razors around the edges. It's an absolute treat. It's the best experience in town. Again, give them a call, 405-269-8590. You can go to downtownbarbershops.com and schedule you an appointment. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss it. It's at 609 South Main Street, downtown barbershops here in Stillwater. Welcome into the Folks Report podcast. My name is Zach Lancaster, alongside Marshall Levinson. We're a few days out from Oklahoma State Texas, eleven a.m. kick on Fox. Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, one of my favorite broadcast crews. Uh, I'm not going to hide that. I, I they're they're absolutely one of my favorites. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, how you doing, Marshall? What's up?
1: You yeah, know, doing good. It's the first time I've done a podcast in person mm-hmm. um, in a while. But, uh, no, doing good. Um, week's been going pretty solid, and I'm just ready to watch some more football this weekend.
0: You've got football tonight.
1: I do. Yeah, well, not anymore. Oh, it got canceled. It got canceled. Rain. Due to weather, unfortunately. It's going to have uh, the first round of flag football, oh, intramural wow. flag football playoffs, but um, no longer, so that'll get rescheduled. Um, but um,
0: My heart breaks for you.
1: Thank you. It's, uh, it's My pretty heart sad.
0: truly breaks for you. Um, big weekend of football. Yes, big weekend. You're going to go down early. Mm-hmm. You're going to cover uh, Garrett Rangel on Friday. Um, really looking forward to that. I, I think, yeah, it's I think uh, Garrett's having a big year.
1: That game is going to be pretty pretty intense because I mean, and, and I have two personal stakes in it mm-hmm. because one, it's it is Garrett Rangel and Lone Star, and there's some other guys that have been offered on the uh, Lone Star roster um, by Oklahoma State. Um, But they're playing Uh Frisco-Wakeland, which is uh, where I went to high school. Um, So you're ready to catch that L, right? Well, yeah. I mean, they've Lone Star beat Wakeland all four years I was there, and then I think like the past four or five years. I think they're like up to probably like seven or eight in a row right now. So, uh, I mean, like I fully expect. But Wakeland's having arguably their best year ever um, out of the 18 or 19 years they've been around. Yeah. They're doing really good. I think both teams are 5-1 right now. It's either 5-1 or 6-1. Wakeland's putting up 40-plus points a week, playing really good defense, and then obviously Lone Star is the power that they are um, with Garrett Rangel at the helm. Um, Missed two or three games with a a knee injury, leg injury, Mm -hmm. um, that was thought to be pretty serious, but turned out to not be so bad. Um, So he's been back the last couple games, been playing pretty well, tossed a few touchdowns in each, so... Yeah, that one, that one will be exciting. Um, should be a, a high-stakes game um, for uh, the players, the fans. So I'm, I'm expecting a uh, true Texas high school Friday night high school vibe coming mm-hmm. from that one. So, uh, yeah, that one will be uh, pretty fun.
0: We're starting to get into it. I mean, we yep. had a, a pretty big game against Dolly Gordon, and and I, I don't know what the Texas weather and patterns are, mm-hmm. but, it, but it seems like in Oklahoma – once it's once it's no longer like ninety degrees for an entire game, yeah, it, it starts to feel like football.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely. Um, and I don't I don't know why this is, but when I was at Ollie's game the other day, that one felt more like a uh, felt more like a, a t- true Friday night mm-hmm. high school football. And now this is going to sound weird. May, I think it might be because some of the teams there are more evenly matched. Because sure. a lot of times when we're when we're covering these high school recruits, they're on pretty good teams. Not mm-hmm. always, but most of the time. And I mean, you think about like Braylon Presley. Like, yeah, it might be. You might be going to watch a Bixby versus Choctaw, which is supposed to be number one versus number two, but you realize ten minutes into that ball game, it they, ain't. They, they ain't much of a ball game. Bixby wins that seventy to seven, right? So. Um, and I mean, even Ollie's team won 42 to seven, but, uh, or sorry, 42 to yeah, 42 to seven. Um, but even then it just kind of, it kind of feels different. I'm sure it's part of the weather and, um, some of these teams are five, six, seven games in. So they, they really know what, what's going on or approaching, um, kind of playoff esque football. Um, some teams are starting to shape into, to what they, uh, whether they'll be in playoffs or not. So. Um, and that will be exciting. I think that's the most exciting time in Texas for high school football is, is playoffs. Um, so, uh, I'll be down there for quite a few of those games and we'll, we'll have, um, I think pretty much all of our, um, DFW, uh, commits, um, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So. At least as of right now, so that'll be pretty exciting.
0: So before we dive into to OSU Texas, mm-hmm. I do want to talk a little bit about Ollie Gordon. Yep. Because I've I've heard the past couple of days like, well, he's good, but he's doing this against teams that don't really matter. Mm. You know, he's he's not facing Division One competition. You've seen Ollie Gordon play a few times. I haven't seen yeah. him in person, but I've watched I watched a lot of tape. Yeah. You get the you know a lot of people are like well we we heard how good Spencer Sanders was gonna be at mm-hmm. o- and and that's fair I, I'll right. I'll accept that but I Ali Gordon is a guy like he might play a little bit next year yeah but his his either his redshirt freshman year mm-hmm. or his sophomore year yeah Ali Gordon's a real deal no yeah and I mean
1: like yeah when you some people might have the the um, kind of the take or the the point of view, or whatever. Like, yeah, well, he's not playing college teams. He's still playing high school mm-hmm. players. Yes, but when you look at programs like Southlake Carroll, like Allen. Allen, like some of these teams that he has gone up against toe to toe, we're talking about some of the best teams in the country. Yeah. We're not just talking about in the state of Texas. I mean, Southlake's a top ten team in the country right now. Allen routinely is, right? When they had the Green Twins, they were a top 25 team in the country out of all high school teams. And U.S. Trinity is right there because of Ollie Gordon. I mean, when he steps on the field, it's lights out. He does not care. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, He does not care who he's going against. And it's, it's routinely three touchdown games, four touchdown games, five touchdown games, 200 yards, 300 yards. Um, I mean, he's throwing the ball. He's I mean, he's not catching the ball much this year because he he's purely just running it and throwing it. And, I mean, that level of dominance is not found very often. And, yeah, you might say, like, oh, well, we've had players come from – we've had Spencer came from the DFW area and was playing against schools like that and dominated, and now he's not doing that here. Well, that's fair. But also, when you look at it pound for pound, Spencer is six foot – right probably like 190 something pounds maybe 200 pounds right as a quarterback not the biggest quarterback you're going to find mm-hmm. right he's he's extremely fast but he's not like physically imposing on anybody but he has the arm he has arm talent and everything right but you can find other quarterbacks that fit the mold of what Spencer Sanders is right there's other quarterbacks in this conference that are similar to what Spencer Sanders is you're not going to find many running backs that fit the mold of what Ollie Gordon is, of, of walking in as a freshman. He's going to be six 6'2", 210, 215 pounds, right? That's a big gift. He's walking in with – I'm not going to say he has a college-ready body, but he is way ahead of the curve compared to a lot of other players that mm-hmm. are showing up at Oklahoma State or even, even some of these elite programs that you talk about with LSU and Georgia and Alabama. He's going to be right at that level of – give him – he's going to get here in the summer, right? He's not going to be an early enrollee. But you give him a couple months in a weight room with Coach Glass preparing for his freshman season, I guarantee you some of those coaches in there are going to be itching to get him some touches to see what he can do because that's just the the kind of athlete that he is.
0: Could you imagine if he had graduated early – and showed up in January. Like, if he showed up in he, January, he, he would
1: play. Up, and, and, the, and the crazy thing is, like, Oklahoma State's going to have quite a few guys show up in January again. Mm-hmm. Garrett Rangel mm-hmm. showed up in January. I think C.J. Brown is. Landon Dean is. I think the Shetrons might be. Um, Braylon Presley is not, but he thought about it for a minute. I mean, there's going to be a big chunk. If he showed up in January, I would say that there was a 80% chance... If he showed up in January, i say there's an 80% chance that by conference play, he was in the two-deep at running back. He's good. I mean, I, th- that's He's truly good. what I think of him. And now, yeah, I might have some bias towards some Oklahoma State guys because that's primarily what I cover, mm-hmm. right? Now, I there are, like, for those who are listening, there are other athletes at other schools that I thoroughly – other recruits that are right. going to other schools that I thoroughly enjoy watching and talking to and everything. But, I mean, when I found Ollie, he had four offers, and it was – nothing really I think he had like Northern Arizona Louisiana Tech right nothing crazy and then I found him I watched him two games reported everything I could on the dude because I freaking fell in love with his game and then Oklahoma State offers him he commits and he's been here since February so I mean he because you're thinking because is, is Jalen Warren done after this year yeah okay and then
0: so here's and I think Dez is too and, and, I think well, Dez is I think is LD is but yeah. I,
1: th- I think Dez technically has one more year left I think I think he's a redshirt junior. I
0: Less think
1: six. I think on the roster he's a redshirt junior. But either way, we're losing at least two running backs, and I think I believe that's Jalen Warren and LD Brown for sure. Yeah, no, he's a redshirt senior. Is he a redshirt senior? Okay, wow. Okay, so you're losing you're losing Des after this year, right? So that you're talking losing two or three running backs. So you're left with Dom Richardson, Jaden Nixon, and Zach Middleton mm-hmm. as as your running backs. No, I think based on that. Based on that info, I think Dom Richardson would be the easy one to pencil in as kind of the the feature back of what would be coming back, right, of what's in that room. Yeah, Dom. And, and you're adding C.J. Brown and Ollie Gordon mm-hmm. to that room and then a possible addition of Braylon Presley to either the running back room or the wide receiver room. You never know. With the way that Ollie plays, a lot of those running backs are going to complement each other. Right, Dom is kind of a is Dom's similar. He's a, he's a complete back in a sense. He's mm-hmm. a four six guy, but he's big, he's strong, and he can run. Jaden Nixon, a little bit shorter, but he's a pure four three speed guy, right? And then Zach Middleton, we saw how he ran in spring. He's no slouch at running no. back either. So I think there's a very good possibility that Dom Richardson and Ollie Gordon and Jaden Nixon combined to be even even next year as Dom's a third year guy, Jaden's a second year guy, Ollie's a first year guy, and then you add in CJ Brown in there that's gonna have speed that's kinda like what how they feel about Jaden Nixon right now. Where they've they've thought about putting Jaden Nixon in there a few times in some keys like mm-hmm. some certain situations because they said his speed needs to be on the field. Now obviously yeah, I'm, some
0: I'm, I'm all for Setting him as absolutely long as possible. Oh yeah, possible.
1: No, 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 no. I think it's smarter to redshirt him. Agree. Right now. Like I'd now, if it were, if it, if it came down to like Missouri State, if you were up by thirty-five, yeah, throw him in there. Yeah, right. Go, go ahead and return some punts. But because of the ways the games have gone, like, yeah, you know, I, I agree. Keep him out for right now. There's no need to, to burn. Well, that. especially
0: with Jalen Warren. Right. If, and yeah, if, the emergence if Jaylen of Jalen Warren, Warren, Warren had this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now there was, f- I don't know if it was the Baylor game or if it was Kansas State. I believe it was Kansas State. Where obviously L D was out, mm-hmm. Des was out, and Jalen Warren was doing his thing and Dom was that, that primary backup and Jalen Warren started cramping. Right? Yeah, I can't see. And yeah, and he was on the sideline, they had to take him back to the locker room for a minute. Now if, if de or if Dom would have needed a breather or got went down, I do think Jaden Nixon would have gone in right behind him because he was the one directly next to the coaches and everything. Mm-hmm. So I mean I wouldn't be surprised to see Jaden at some point this year, and I do think that he's getting good reps in practice and everything. But, I mean, just to kind of wrap all of that up, this running back room over the next, and I kind of tweeted this out the other day, the 2023 to 2025 offense, maybe even the 2022 to the 2025 mm-hmm. offense for Oklahoma State is, is going to be extremely impressive. And, and 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 that is really good looking at how far this defense has come for Oklahoma State mm-hmm. and the, like, the players they're bringing in. And I do think, and I know we've said this before, next year will, and now it's happened a couple times here and there, but next year for the most part will be really the first time that Jim Knowles has his recruited players on the field. Yeah, Colin Oliver counts. Colin Oliver was his guy. And that's really about it so far. Mason Cobb. I was going to say Mason Cobb. Mason Cobb uh, here and there. The, the core,
0: uh, Jabbar Muhammad. Okay, with well, Jabbar and Jabbar and Jabar and Corey Black. Corey,
1: I think he was
0: But that's still But just I mean a they had already
1: offered them and I I don't I don't think they were committed when Jim Knowles got here, but they were I mean, Jim Knowles didn't have to recruit them much before they were they were in the in the bucket for Oklahoma State. But I mean, next year is really gonna be the first time, which is kind of crazy to think about it. How because they've changed the way they recruit over the mm-hmm. past couple years, especially on the defensive side, and, and we heard Gundy talk about that a couple times. Um, but it's like, okay, if this defense is this good with players that they didn't even recruit, now, don't get me wrong. Right. If they were to pick if they were to pick players right now, they, most of them are going to be in the mold of the players they have yeah, on the field. They, they, they have them every time. they have built those players into what they want. Yeah. Now they're selecting players that are s- pretty much already in that build or that mold or body frame skill set, whatever it is. So I do think the future is very, very bright for both sides of the ball. Well,
0: I think what's important when you look at guys like a Malcolm, a Devin Harper, mm-hmm. uh Coley Harvell Peel, uh Christian Holmes to an extent, even though he hasn't been here that long. Right. You look at guys like that, you know, Brock Martin and and they were good before. Right. And this coaching staff under Jim Knowles has made them even better. So yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it. It's, like, it's going to be a lot I mean, of fun don't,
1: to watch. Don't, and I don't want anyone to get me wrong here. Like, if you were to say, like, oh, so you're saying that Jim Knowles wouldn't recruit Colby Harville Peel or no, Sterling, Like No, no, he would still probably he would take he would, all he would, those He would guys. recruit those guys. Um, but, I mean, if you look at Kendall Daniels and Lyric Rawls and a lot bigger. Cam Smith and Kelvion Beeman, there is a... and. Um, and those are guys that are all true freshmen right now. And then you look at Cam Epps and DJ McKinney as commits right now. There is a distinct difference in what those players are to what Colby Harvell, Peel, and mm-hmm. Trey Sterling are, and you can see it visually. Yeah. They are bigger. I mean, Cam or Colby and Trey are at max six one, maybe six foot, six foot one. All these guys are minimum six two, six three.
0: Well, I mean. Kendall
1: Daniels so Kendall Daniels is approaching 6 foot 5. We
0: were at uh, my wife and I were at Walmart um August maybe mm-hmm. maybe August ju- late July early August um and I I saw him Cam- I, yeah. I, I saw him and I was just like man you oh you look so familiar uh Kendall Daniels. Yeah. And but he's huge. Oh, he's, he's 6 massive. 6 4 six, five, two,
1: Probably two five to ten, maybe even yeah, heavier. I was gonna say 210, 215 ten, two fifty. I'm sure he got here in the summer, so I'm sure from the time he got here in June. Oh, he's, to pro- he's now p- it's October. I'm sure he's bulked up pretty good. I was say he's
0: probably pushing two twenty, probably. But he was he is a physical specimen. Oh yeah, and this was it. This was yeah. the middle of August at Walmart.
1: Yeah, I mean now, I mean it's it's kind of interesting when you whether you're on the stands, whether you're from the booth. If, if you're in the media booth, you probably can't see it as much. But if you're on the field mm-hmm. or near the stands and, and in warm-ups and you're walking players walk by, and normally they just have their game pants on and like a compression um, cutoff shirt, I mean, you can see the tone that even the freshmen have in their in mm-hmm. like with their bodies now, where they may have come in. I mean, and Jaden Nixon's a prime example yeah. because I knew him for two years before he got to Oklahoma State, right? Because he went to Lone Star. Um, like my girlfriend went to Lone Star. I've I've known Jaden for a while. Like he was. I mean, he was as you would expect. He was a five foot ten running back. Was pretty thin, and he was a speed guy. He was a track guy, so he wasn't bulked up by any means. Now. I mean, he's kept his, like, four, three speed, but that dude's rocked up now. I mean, he's he's built. He's got his arms toned. I mean, mm-hmm. you can see the muscles without him even flexing, and that's what Rob Glass does to these dudes is he builds them up quickly and gets them game ready in an instant. And, I mean, that's why – and I had a conversation with uh, Coach Waz on the sideline when he was at Ollie's game. I asked him, I was like, how long How long do you think until Ollie is college game ready? He goes, you never – he's like, there's no – there's no telling, and especially he
0: was like, him. It, it, uh, uh, I still can't like him showing up in January. I know it's I know it's not going to happen. Yeah, he, but like my yeah. God,
1: and it's for a good reason. I mean, he uh, he's extremely close with his mom, mm. and he kind of wants to have a, those few extra oh, months with his for family. Sure. I I don't fault him and, at all. It's like yeah. what
0: Gundy said with uh, Colin Oliver. Yeah, you know, he was like he was he he was taking 200 reps throughout the spring when he should have been at prom. Yeah, you know, so I don't, I don't I'll never fault a guy. Um, because I I mean, I went through my senior year in high school and I wasn't a D1 athlete that had the opportunity <laughs> to graduate early. Sure. <laughs> but but that spring is, is, is a lot of fun. It's really important. But you get him an extra six months with Rob Glass. Yeah, I mean, Ugh. which,
1: I mean, he's... And I'm sure that whenever he signs that dotted line in December, oh, the first thing they're doing is sending him over that yeah. fat booklet of workouts Absolutely. to get him ready. Absolutely. That he's going to be busting his ass in the Trinity weight room doing. Um, so they'll make sure that he's not coming in, yeah. like, weak or anything. And, and, I mean, he's already a physical specimen, so I don't think it'll take him very long to get game
0: shape ready. No, not at but, all. Um, I, yeah, this this is a fun recruiting class, and it's, you know, it, we talked about it a little bit when we recorded last. It, there hasn't been a lot of activity right when it, when it comes to recruiting. Over the past, since so it's probably, like, Early July, yeah, and 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 it because of that, it kind of this this class kind of goes by the wayside. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like out of sight, out of mind. But when you really dig into it, this is going to be one of the better classes. Well, the
1: reason, I mean, the reason they've kind of been a little bit, I want to say slow by any means, but quiet in the recruiting thing, is because they locked up so many important guys Absolutely. so early, right? Absolutely. They didn't they didn't have to grind out the the recruitments of. Your, your future quarterback. You didn't have to grind out your recruitment of your two future running backs or three or four of your receivers. And, um, I mean, you had... Because right now, you've got your future quarterback in Garrett Rangel. You've got two staple running backs in C.J. Brown and Ollie Gordon. you got your top receiver. You've got your top receiver in in Talon Shetron, and you've got his brother playing tight end or jumbo receiver. So you've got him in Tabry Shetron. Plus, you've got... um two in-state guys at receiver with uh, Braylon Presley and Mason Gilkey. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, you've got a D lineman that you really like in Jaleel Johnson from, from in-state. And um, and I think that has been – and plus you have a linebacker from just down the road yeah. at Stillwater High yeah, and Brown. Gabe Brown. And you have – they weren't going to take many defensive backs in this class because they took so many last year that they really like. So you've got Cam Epps and DJ McKinney locked up. None of those guys are budging. Like they're not. They're happy with where they're at, and I know every time someone sees, it, it's kind of funny how fan bases work. Every time we tweet out a, a highlight play from Ollie or a highlight play from Garrett or whoever it is, they're like, "Are you sure he's committed? What if What if Alabama comes calling? Or what if Georgia picks up the phone? Like they're not going anywhere, right? I mean, these guys are these guys are locked in. Ollie was just telling me the other night how he's preparing for to get to stillwater mm-hmm. in in the summer and like what he's doing and everything. So um I mean, now it's just time to land some offensive linemen and, and maybe and maybe another defensive lineman, which we'll talk about those cuz there's there's a defensive lineman committing on the 31st that I think Oklahoma State has a good chance at and there's an offensive lineman committing on the 18th yeah. that we think offense that and, Oklahoma State has a good chance at. And that's of. where
0: I wanted to go with because Tyrone Weber put out a a, a cryptic, I guess you could say, uh he just says October 18th crystal ball question mark. Right. And then I don't know if
1: you saw today, his uh, most recent tweet where he tagged Hayes Fawcett um, and said, it's time for those of you that do not know who Hayes Fawcett is, he is the most popular and number one um, graphic designer for commitment um, graphics for high schoolers. So,
0: yeah. And and Tyrone Weber, uh, you also look at the size of offensive linemen that, that Coach Dickey and that this Oklahoma State staff is going after he fits that mold of, you know, cause you go back a few years and, and there was some size, you know, like Hunter Anthony was probably the biggest guy they had gotten. I think Hunter was six, 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 seven. Uh, but, but other than that, you're looking at, you know, six, two, six, three, six, four. And the past couple of classes, they're going after yeah six, six, eight, yeah, they're, six, nine. They're
1: being deliberate with the type of people they're looking for.
0: Yeah. They're going after some big guys and, and Tyrone Weber fits that mold. And, um, he took an official visit a few weeks ago. Uh, I believe it was right after the Baylor game, the third and through the fifth, which is funny because he wasn't here for the Baylor game because right. he had football, uh, so he didn't get here till later on. Uh, he goes to Missouri the week later, so probably going to be between those two schools. I like Oklahoma State's chances. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, I think they've got a pretty decent shot at Landon Weber, and, and, I mean, he's the, you know, what, the third, second or third overall JUCO prospect in the country, the, yep. the first or second, I think the second offensive tackle prospect mm-hmm. out of Juco. I mean, this is a big get. You know, Oklahoma you go back a few years, and, and Oklahoma State will land a, a solid Juco player, but it takes him about a year, a year and a yeah. half to develop. Tyrone Weber is the kind of guy that can come in, and, and I don't want to say be a, a day one he's starter. not necessarily a plug and
1: play. No,
0: but he's he's a guy that shouldn't take a year. To, no, like, I
1: mean, he's a, he's probably a couple months, get his body right mm-hmm. if it's – Maybe just tune him up a little bit. And that's yeah. probably that's probably the type of prospect Tyron Weber is gonna be is more of a tune up mm-hmm. than a, a rebuild. Right. Yeah, because a lot of times you you have a JUCO guy come in and like they're in a little bit of shape, but not really. Well, you have the, to either build them up or shut them down.
0: Perfect example, and it's it's not his fault, but Caleb Etienne.
1: Yeah, not his fault at all. I mean
0: he hadn't played in two years. And
1: Austin Gerard is in the same boat. Yeah. You bring in two JUCO guys, this past year, I'll
0: tell you right now, if they if they had played, you, like if, if oh, they'd their be season on, they'd be on the field right now, if their if their seasons hadn't been canceled due yeah. to COVID, they would have. I mean, there was be no playing. there
1: was no JUCO season in twenty twenty mm-hmm. due to COVID. So the last time these guys played competitive football twenty nineteen was twenty nineteen. So you are talking about two years, and not, I mean, even if you had played, the jump from JUCO to Power Five is pretty big. Is a big jump, and you are talking about a guy that hasn't played in two seasons, well, a season and a half at that point, they're going to have their struggles, whether it be mental, physical, or technique-wise. So, I mean, luckily, if you do land Weber, this is a guy that has played the previous year. And, I mean, you're going to lose some offensive linemen after this year just due to age and Mm -hmm. graduation and everything. Um, So you're going to need an experienced... Um, some experienced guys to step in. And I mean, we we've noticed with other transfers and other Juca, Juco guys before, I mean, it, especially with an offensive lineman coming out of the type of school that he's coming out of, that is a perfect type of guy that mm-hmm. you would want to have in your room when you need replacements.
0: Well, and I think it's important, you know, Gundy is, has talked about how they're going to set aside three to four, uh, three to four scholarship spots mm-hmm. uh, specifically for transfers don't be surprised if that's what they do. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, every single spot they set aside is going to go to an offensive lineman. But don't be surprised if they get in the portal and go and get a third-year starter yeah, you know, I mean, who's ready to go. I mean,
1: right now you've got, you've got one high school guy in your class at offensive line. Let's just say hypothetically you land Tyrone Weber and then you land another high school guy. They're, they're pretty high on, mm-hmm. on two of them right now. Um, one of them being Quentin Harris out of Arlington Seguin. So let's say you have a you have a group of 3 with two ho- two high school guys and a JUCO guy. You normally want to bring in anywhere from 3 to 5 offensive linemen in mm-hmm. a class, right? Um let's just say they they go grab a, a guy similar to a a um Josh Sills yeah. or a um, Danny Galevski which those were multi-year starters at D1. mm mm-hmm. Mhm places, and um, whether they're grad transfers or whatever, you go get a one- or two-year guy and plug them in. And, I mean, you you really don't have to – that makes you not put as much stress at recruiting offensive linemen from high school, which is kind of a hard thing to recruit because, yeah, they might be big – but are they big and strong? Are they are they durable at that weight? Like how long can they last? But I mean, if you go if you go get okay, yeah, we'll take two or three guys that we're going to build up. But we're going to go get one or two guys that we already know what they are. That's a pretty good approach of how of how especially Oklahoma State, but other places too, are going to start approaching positions like offensive line.
0: And that's honestly, I would I would rather have that, you know, and especially yeah. especially with the NCAA coming out with their new rule where you can take an additional ten players um because due to attrition and so i i think that's going to be really important and especially now
1: there's the transfer rules that you don't have to sit out yeah you like can, you can if you can you can go you can make a lateral move and go d1 to d1 and if you're out of conference at least mm-hmm. and and not have to sit so i mean you can go get a guy from a from another power 5 school um and the reason Josh Sills was eligible to play immediately is cuz i believe he was a graduate transfer yes right so you can go and then he had a covid year right and then he had covid so i mean um, even if a guy does make a lateral move and is not a graduate transfer, if he's coming from anywhere else in the country other than the Big 12, he can play immediately. Yeah. So um, the coaches always have those in their mind. And I mean, that's why I think like, okay, they missed out on on three or four, maybe even five offensive linemen during the regular recruiting cycle that they w- probably would have liked to have. But when you talk about plan Bs or a kind of a second second go-round, um, I think they're perfectly fine with landing transfers Agreed. In, in, in this uh in this scenario,
0: absolutely. So we look ahead, uh, Oklahoma State Texas, like we had said, eleven a.m. kick on Fox. Uh, this this is a big game. I, I don't yep. know what Texas team is going to show up. Are you going to get a, a motivated? We just got our ass kicked, Texas, and we can't lose another game. You know, I mean, I there aren't many twenty eight to seven leads that you see blown yeah. that that result in a fifty five to forty eight loss. Mean, not only
1: that, they they blew really. Two big leads in yeah. this one because they blew the first-quarter lead and they blew a third-quarter lead. They were up by, like, 21 in the first and 18, I think, at halftime or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um,
0: but you look yeah. at you look at this Oklahoma State team, they're going to have a lot of depth back. Yeah, they um, are. You know, you go back to last week, and it was the the closest to full health they had been. Now, and, and when I say full health, I, I read some comments on Facebook. They oh, this jackass wrote this headline. How are they close? When I say this close to full health, like – I eliminate I automatically eliminate the guys that are out for the year, like yeah. Langston Anderson out for the year. When I, when you, Braden Johnson out for the year. When I look at guys that are out, out like I no longer equate. I no, I no longer put them into the equation. Right. So when I say full health, guys I'm that are already gone, are eligible eligible
1: to, to participate. Yes. At the time, yes. Given their s- specific scenario going on in their their
0: life, so <laughs> this is even closer. Because, yes. you know, you go back to game two when Spencer comes back, nearly no receivers. You yeah. know, Boise State, no receivers, and you're losing. that You lost LD, you lost Des Jackson, uh, LD out for the year, so you're not going to have him. Um, but you look at the defensive side of the ball, you know, you're already without Trace Ford, and then you go forward a, a game and you lose Brock Martin in the middle of the Kansas State game and Tyron Irby's been out. Well. Mm-hmm. Brock Martin most likely going to be uh be back this week. Uh, Tyron Irby should be back. Des Jackson should be back. You get Blaine Green back. This is going to be as close to full health as uh, as Oklahoma State has seen all year. And I think obviously more weapons. We saw what that did for Spencer. You know, having Tay Martin back that was huge right. for him. You give him another receiver. You give the the, the defense. I, I think for me the the depth is most important on that defensive front because you have guys like Jaden Jernigan, Israel Antoine, Brendan Evers, Tyler Lacey, but then you throw Colin Oliver right. into the mix. And Colin right. Oliver was the PFF freshman of the week last week and had a monster game against Baylor and, and really filled that role. So you throw a guy like Brock Martin back into the mix mm-hmm. against Texas when you're going up against arguably prob- – I would say probably the best running back they're going to face all year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, I mean – And B. John Robinson. Yeah, B. John Robinson's a stud. It's, it's huge that you have uh, – a, a lot of those guys were they probably could have suited up for Baylor – but yeah. you give them another week and a half to prepare and, and relax and get their bodies right. Yeah, This this bye week came at the right time for Oklahoma State.
1: Yeah, I mean, when and kind of go back to your – like even the guys that are coming back are not, when you say 100%, like no, they're, are they at 100% health? Well, no. Like 93. It, yeah, is Brock Martin at 100%? No. About as but healthy are they, as they can. Are they be. at the point where they can give full effort on the field? Yes, Absolutely. that's what matters. And especially, I mean – the 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 players that you're getting depth back at are the positions that you're going to need depth to beat Texas, right? And now the the two and this is kind of my personal scouting report of Texas because there was two main things that I I noticed or I took away um, from from the Texas OU game, right? The main thing I noticed was, and this is this was not necessarily something that I only noticed this game, Texas only has one receiver. Yeah. Right? And they lost another one. Xavier Worthy. I would have told you the other day that they had two, one and a half, but Jordan it being, number, like the number two being Jordan Whittington, but I don't think he's playing against He's Oklahoma not. State, he's out. Right? Yeah, he's out. He screwed up his shoulder, clavicle.
0: Uh, He's had surgery.
1: Yeah. So, he's done. Yeah. Do you know, I mean, you might have the numbers in front of your head. Do you know who they're? Next leading receiver is
0: uh, Joshua Moore. I'm just looking at the OU kind stats. Of.
1: It's B. John Robinson is the, is technically on the season is their next leading receiving mm. yard. Okay, Re, out of receivers, yes, it's Joshua Moore who has 14 catches. Offensive this year.
0: players eligible to receive yes.
1: passes. It's Xavier Worthy who has 24 catches for 514 yards. Right, good with six touchdowns, H- having a fantastic freshman. Well, oh, half of
0: that came last last yes. week.
1: And, he, and he's had flash plays. He had a couple against Arkansas that I think were pretty good. And, mm-hmm. um, but, I mean, Jordan Whittington, I think, coming into this game, was a leading receiver. Coming into OU was a leading receiver. Um, and Jordan Whittington is not even really a receiver. When he got to Texas, he was, like, partly linebacker, partly running back, kind of offensive weapon that has been playing receiver. <clears throat> I think that is, in my opinion, the biggest key for yeah. this game the Texas or the Oklahoma's defense, the Oklahoma State defense has two people to pay attention to. Two. One is Xavier Worthy, the other one is Bijan Robinson. In my opinion, Casey Thompson is not going to beat you by himself. Casey Thompson in his games and I'll read you some of these these stat lines, even though Texas has scored big numbers against mm-hmm. some of these teams. Um I mean, against TCU, he was 12 of 22 for 142 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Nothing nothing crazy there, right? Um, against Rice, 15 of 18, so a good good completion percentage, but only 160 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Good numbers, yeah. not great numbers. And against Texas Tech, 18 of 23 for 303, five touchdowns, one interception. Fantastic game. And then OU, 20 of 34, 388, five touchdowns. When their offense is clicking, he is. But if you take away just one of those components of Xavier Worthy or Bijan Robinson, I think you have that Texas offense on the ropes.
0: Well, and this, this is a really good defense. That, that's my point. Is like, this will be the best defense that Texas plays. Oklahoma State's given up just 91 rushing yards yeah. a game. OU held him to 128 last exactly. week. Now, Bijan had 137. Right, which, but, I mean, in comparison for what Bijan normally is doing. That's low. That's a pretty good number. So it's a whole
1: Bijan Robinson. And I too.
0: and I, I said this today on my on my radio show on Triple Play Sports. B. John Robinson's going to get his numbers. Like he's probably right. going to get 130 yards. Like he's he he I told he, someone
1: earlier if you hold Bijan from anywhere from 110 to 140 yards, absolutely. Oklahoma State wins the
0: game. Yeah, absolutely. And I but I will say for me the most important thing is the Oklahoma State defense. Yes. Uh the if, if you can if you can hold him You know, like you said, 110, 140 yards. But if you look at the other side of the ball, Texas gave up 339 yards on the ground.
1: Yeah. So that was where my other set... I have two keys to this game. One, make Texas Mm one-dimensional. I think you make Bijan beat you. Agreed. Now, that's kind of a tall task because Bijan is really, really good. He could beat you. Right? He, He can beat you. I don't think he can beat Oklahoma State. That defense is too good for one guy. Even though Bijan is... Hasn't has a claim at being the best running back in the country, mm-hmm. right? I agree. And he's going to be one of those guys that over the next two seasons is going to be in the Heisman talk twenty four seven, even as a running back, right? Stud
0: should be right now. One, oh goodness, excuse yeah. me. Number Late one, running,
1: number one running back coming out of high school, proving why in college easily
0: one of the best in the St- country right now. Stud,
1: right? But if you take away Xavier Worthy, they're nothing. Oklahoma at State, least right, right now. The Texas offense is is. Only Bijan. Yeah. Right. And I don't see that necessarily changing because Jordan Whittington is out of this game and the other receivers are, you only have one other actual receiver that has a hundred and over a hundred yards on the season. The next actual receiver has three catches for 48 yards. They are very, very specific in what they do. If you take away one of those, I think they're done on offense. Yeah. For their defense, the number one thing that I noticed when they were going against OU, when OU started to speed up their offense, Texas could not hang in there with them. They were gassed. The Texas defense, just the way, I don't know if it's a personnel thing or a conditioning thing, I don't know what it is, but the way that Texas defense is built right now, they cannot hang in with quick-tempo offense, Mm -hmm. and that's what Oklahoma State does. Oklahoma State has one of the quickest offenses as far as moving up and down the field. They're, they are a no huddle. They are a get up to the line. We'll call the play. Snap it. Let's go. I think Oklahoma State comes out, at least what I think they should do, is come out like you have been. Try to go quick. Right? Move quickly, whether that's quick passes or just some quick runs. Right? Set the tempo early, even if you're not getting points or yards immediately. Right? Mm-hmm. Just come out quick, make that defense run around, Make get them a little bit gassed. Your offense can handle it. You do it every week. You do it every day in practice. Their defense cannot. I think do that for a couple of drives, kind of get them on their heels, and then that's when Jalen Warren finds a gap and takes off to the house, or that's when you hit Rashad Owens yeah. over the top, or that's when Tate Martin or or Jaden Bray, one of these guys, it, it finds a finds a crease and, and takes it. And I think that's the key is make make Texas offense one-dimensional and go quick on the Oklahoma State offense, and I think you have Texas on the road.
0: Well, and I, I, what's important, you know, Spencer's played relatively well against Texas. You oh, know, yeah. His, two really of
1: Spencer's really better games. Really- now, freshman year, his stat sheet is not going to show it.
0: No, I you know, you look at his first game, uh, he was 19-32, thir- uh, mm. 268 yards. He had two picks. Yeah. Um, but you look at last year. Yeah, he was twenty-seven to thirty-nine for four hundred yards and four touchdowns. I think
1: at the time that was his best game statistically.
0: Yeah, yeah. and and honestly, you look—it's one of his best games. Yeah, during his career.
1: And even that freshman year game, even though he didn't have a, I think he had a rushing touchdown in that one. He didn't have any passing touchdowns, and he had two interceptions. I was on the field for that one, mm-hmm. um, and that one—that one was in Austin. And I don't know if you remember much about that game. Spencer was pretty much the only one getting anything done for Oklahoma State on offense. right? And the defense was even falling apart in that one too. But Spencer was running around for his life. He was the only one keeping Oklahoma State in that game. Um, And, I mean, that was at the time that he was still a redshirt freshman. And, I mean, for whatever reason, Spencer kind of turns it to another level against Texas. I don't know if that's intentional. Yeah, Maybe because – he didn't. I mean, he's from Texas. Maybe it's a hometown thing. Like, gotta gotta put on against the hometown team kind of thing. I don't know if that's it, or if it's just he matches up well against them. But I mean, on paper, because you do have all of your receivers back, and you have your running backs in line, and the offensive line is healthy. On paper, this should be or could be. One of Oklahoma State's better performances on offense.
0: Well, and you go back to last year
1: based on what their offense has and what Texas defense looks like. If
0: he doesn't lose those two fumbles, yeah, they win that game. Yeah, you know because he lost that one inside the you know the, the opposite end of the field. It was a handoff exchange with chuba and they end up, I think Texas scored on that play or not that play, but shortly thereafter and he was sixty. he had 16 carries for 11 yards mm-hmm. against Texas last year. Uh, now granted he had a a long of 35 which was the longest carry of the day but when you're sacked a lot and you're running around so I mean if you can get if you get a passing performance like he had last week you know or you look at a you know like last year 27 to 39 400 yards four touchdowns combined with that OSU defense this is going to be a really exciting game to watch I'm I'm thoroughly excited this is going to be a good game now I would I'm not trying to take anything away from Texas. Texas has some dudes on both sides of the ball. They're yeah. very athletic. They've got the four stars. They got the five stars. They're talented. I think this is going to be a fun matchup game, but I you look at the lack of offensive weapons that Texas has. Um if you can if you can make them one dimensional with B. John Robinson, then I think it's going to be a uh, I think it's gonna be a, the, fun, a fun game. The
1: Bijan Robinson versus Malcolm Rodriguez oh, man. battle for sixty minutes is gonna be you. absolutely electric.
0: Especially with Oklahoma State's defensive front. Yeah. You know, that's and they have a really good offensive line. So it's gonna matter there in the middle. Right. You know, with Devin and with with Malcolm. And uh, this this is gonna be a fun game. I, I like it. You throw Brock Martin back into the mix. Um this first first of all, I will say this eleven AM kicks every week. Give me an 11 a.m. kick every single week. Road home, don't care. I
1: will say, I will say there is something like, I, and personally, my my favorite is the the 6:30, 7 o'clock prime time kick, right mm-hmm. for college football. I will say there is something about the ranked matchup at 11 a.m. that I do kind of enjoy,
0: especially on the road.
1: Right? Yeah. When you're at home, you wake up. Now, uh, obviously, we're going to be doing the radio show mm-hmm. early that morning. But kind of yeah. yeah, regroup after the the mm-hmm. six to eight radio show, right? Get some breakfast, mm-hmm. and you kind of you watch the you watch college game day, and you're like, all right, let's do this thing. Well, it's, it's like for, it's, you just roll right into football. It's
0: like Josh Sills yesterday. You know, he was asked, you know, do you do you prefer eleven a.m. kick or are you more of a night? He said, I'm uh, eleven a.m. because mm-hmm. night game, especially road you know you wake up you do your walkthrough, and then you're just sitting around all day yeah you're just waiting you're waiting you're and waiting.
1: I, I, I and now obviously I'm not a player I don't know what goes through their heads on a on a daily basis mm-hmm. or game days but I would think that the longer you have to wait the more you probably get into your own head he said it's
0: harder he said you're waiting around you kind of get bored you know you kind of lose interest it's, Yeah. it's now they're not going to they're not just going to fall apart right but he said for a road game they pre- you wake up he's like we wake up we get dressed and we're on the field, yeah. And then before you know it, you're on the bus and the plane back home. Like, let's get it over with. Boom, 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 and and the game's over. So, um, six thirty seven at home. You know, uh, a nice prime time. It's a fun atmosphere. Yeah. I, I do think
1: that, and it, it'll be interesting to see what the Texas crowd is like coming yeah. off of a coming off of a loss a lot like of that to OU. Right. A lot of factors. Oklahoma State has a chance to kind of put the nail in the coffin on Texas for as far as this year's concerned. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you if you beat Texas, they're now a three-loss team. They're one probably not going to the Big 12 championship, but they're for sure not going to the playoff. Right? You can you can destroy the spirits of they're Texas. They already not. Oh yeah, you're already, they're already not going to the playoff, you, right? You, you they have a chan- they have a chance at mathematically at the Big 12 playoff. But if they are at the sorry, championship, Big 12 championship. You beat them
0: on Saturday. You beat them over. on
1: Saturday, you put the nail in the coffin. That's it. Not only do you do that but you also propel yourself to the front along with OU, yep. barring whatever happens with M and CCU, to the front of the Big Twelve. Again, 100%. right? I mean, technically you're right there. But after a bye week, there are other people in front of you by numbers. But you can put the nail in the coffin for Texas and propel yourself to the front and probably make yourself a top nine team. Right, because you'd be looking at it if voters were looking at it, they'd be like, All right, if Texas or if Oklahoma State beats Texas, they now have three back to back to back ranked wins. This one was on the road, and then obviously did however you much you beat Texas by, whether it's three, six, or twenty five, whatever will determine that thing. But I mean, if you beat Texas, you should be you'll most likely be a top ten team at, like coming out easily. Of this week. Well or, yeah going to Iowa State.
0: Absolutely. Um, and, and I think Obviously, winning is important. Right. You know, you don't you don't want to lose a game, but this this is an important game. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's more important now. Like I expected, you go back to back to the summer. I expected Oklahoma State to be five and zero going into this Texas right. game. I didn't expect it to be as hard fought. I didn't expect uh, Kansas State to be a ranked matchup. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect Baylor to be a ranked matchup. And if I'm being honest, I did not expect Oklahoma State to be ranked number twelve. I expected a five and zero, but you know. Nineteen to twenty-two, mm-hmm. because you didn't play anybody. You wouldn't have played anybody, right? Uh, but they've they've had a couple of really good wins recently. They they've overcome that slow start. You obviously need the offense to pick it up in the second half. Um, but this is this is a big game. This is a big big matchup, much bigger than the Iowa State game is next week, which is crazy. Who would have thought, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's look at a uh, before we get out of here. Let's look at a couple of questions that we have on Twitter. Um, man, this guy is he is all over Shane Ellingworth, man. Uh, so, how, is. how many turnovers and lack of offense will it take this week for Gunny to finally pull the plug on Spencer's? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll just say this. I think that Shane Illingworth is going to be a really, really good quarterback. If we go back to the week before, when Oklahoma State Baylor or played Baylor, mm-hmm. an estimation in my mind would be six. And that number is the amount of time Shane Illingworth would have been sacked last week against Baylor because he's not mobile. And the offensive line really struggled in pass block. And Spencer made a lot of really good plays on the ground. You don't beat Baylor if Spencer Sanders is not the quarterback because of the amount of plays that he made on the ground. I like Shane Illingworth and I think Shane is going to do really well. Right. But I'll go back to what I said throughout the, throughout the fall camp and throughout the past couple of weeks if Spencer is just doing enough and that's what he's doing. he's just doing enough. he ha- he's had a couple of good games but Spencer's doing just enough and they're winning mm-hmm. If Spencer is doing okay and they're losing, then he'll he'll get pulled but it it would have to take a lot because you're still five and0 yeah you, you've done enough. To, to win those ball games. Now if they go out there and and he has two two interceptions and two fumbles against Texas and and he just looks awful and you can't blame the offensive line then he gets one more game against Iowa State. Right. And if he doesn't turn it around and he plays similar then then I don't think you can afford to keep him on the field. But I don't it's 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 not going to be this week. They, no, this will this week will not determine. And honestly, I'll I think Spencer's the starter for the rest of the year.
1: I agree. I mean, I think for a couple of reasons. One, I don't think because you would have to have a just monumental abs, collapse. monumental collapse of Spencer Sanders for a change to be made there. For two reasons, one, Spencer has shown that he can do enough. To get the team there, especially on the ground, right—that's the big yeah. difference maker. And yeah, I mean, he's shown that he can do enough. Now, I mean, and Eli Letterman pointed it out before he broke the broke the streak. But I mean, for the first time, Spencer Sanders went back-to-back games without throwing an interception yeah. or, or turning the ball over.
0: And let's be honest, they, he had three last week. Right. He yeah. won the game. Two of them were him, right? One of them was not right. A little, a little high.
1: One of them, one of them hit the hands of Rashad Owens and, and bounced up, but two of them were him. Right, that, but they
0: still won the game, and right, I think that, that's important. That happened. He did not lose them that game.
1: Exactly. So, if you want to talk about your 5-0, and o, if you go into a, a Texas game 5-0, and o, the absolute collapse that would have to take place would, for Shane Illingworth to come into that game...
0: Texas Tech 2019. When Spencer had like yes, four interceptions. Yes. And that is the type of game you'd have to see. Seven sacks. But also at the same time,
1: it in that first game, it like Shane did okay. He wasn't great, but it was he wasn't great. Mm-hmm. He had a, he had a good first two drives, three drives, and then after that, it was the defense. It was Shane didn't really do much of anything. Like they didn't score any points in the second half. Um, part I mean Shane had from my just initial count of what I to remember at least five. I would say egregious overthrows. Yeah. right. Two of them, which would have been touchdowns uh, on the surface of things. Um, so, I mean, yeah, is Spencer perfect? No. No one, no one's perfect, right? But is he, at the moment, what is better for the offense? Yes. that is, and, and I do think that will be the case for the rest of the season. It'll stay that way. So, I mean, but will he remain loyal and let him scrape by another week? It's not going to be any scraping. I don't think there's going to be any scraping. I do think... Sh- I do think Spencer will put a good product on the field. And if the offense,
0: but, if the offense produces in the second half in any of the games this year, yes, that's not a that's not even a question if of whether or not whether Spencer's he turns the ball
1: over no time like zero times or three or four times a game. If they're putting up points regardless, and they're winning, they're not changing that, yep, absolutely. right? I mean, there's. There are players in the NFL that are known for being turnover prone, right? But you're not going to take those guys out of the game. They're your starting quarterback.
0: Well, and he Spencer's the second leading rusher on the team. Yeah, you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna I pull mean, the second leading rusher. And a lot of those rushes, you go back to the Kansas State game when he had that big. 30-plus-yard run, again, and then he fumbled yeah. out of bounds. Now, but if
1: if Shane would have played that for Shane can't run. No, everyone, everyone knows that. Shane is not going anywhere with his feet ben, except for ben, on the ground.
0: Ben Roethlisberger.
1: Right. If Shane would have came out in that game and connected on nearly all of his throws, not all of them, but like 75 80% of his throws and put up big, big numbers, then you might be looking at a potential, like, replacement down the line if, if there was a just cataclysmic... Yeah. Collapse, but Shane didn't show that, right? And now maybe that was just that day. Maybe he doesn't practice. Maybe he'd do it next time he's on the field. We don't know. But I highly doubt that a coach as experienced as Casey Dunn and Mike Gundy and the rest of that offensive staff and even the defensive staff is going to say, like, well, we're going to take this semi-for-sure thing Mm -hmm. and put in this maybe, maybe good quarterback. We don't really know what Shane is yet, Right. That's not going to happen yet. So it'll be Shane. Well, or, sorry, it'll be Spencer. It, Do not. It'll be Spencer. It'll be Spencer.
0: <laughs> and the thing about Shane, though, he's only played like five games. You know, it, it, Spencer is what Spencer is. There, there's not going to be some monumental leap forward. You know, and and Spencer right now he is what he is, and I think he's going to stay that way for the rest of his career at Oklahoma State. Spencer has what we get. right now is what we're going to get Shane plays decent right now, but he still has some learning to do. Right. And when the job is actually his, I think Shane is going to be pretty solid. I think, I think Shane's going to be lights out and, and it certainly looks fun with the young receivers that they have right now and the young talent that they have coming up. So um, Spencer's the guy. It, it, the only way Spencer's not the guy is if he has a complete collapse in two games. Or gets hurt. Or, yeah, or if he gets hurt. You know, it's going to take, take more than just one bad game to pull Spencer. And they're still winning. Yep. So, it is All what right. it is. Uh,
1: the next one from uh, from you as well. Um, Master K is 61. Inquiring minds, in quotation marks, you, uh, want to know how the development of the future when the Levy Breaks podcast is coming. Uh, I'm actually thinking about doing that one day. I don't know what, what kind of, what it'll look like. Um, I am, uh, potentially going to be doing a podcast with, um, Mags, uh, featuring some of the Mags athletes. So maybe that's where that comes into play, but, um, we'll, uh, we'll figure that one out when we, uh, when we get there, but no, I do like the name when the because a lot of people outside of, um, school, my, the, my close friends and family that, um, Know me, call me Levy on a regular basis. So, uh, we'll get there. There you go. Um, and then Kyle, uh, who is the next predicted commit and how does our D fare against UT this weekend? Well, we, we, kind, we kind of touched on a lot of the defense part. Um, just to put it shortly, I think they fare well. I think Farewell. they I think they do well. Um, who, is the next, who is the next predicted commitment? Uh, I've got two names for you that I think, I mean, we've kind of touched on these at the beginning. Um, if I were to predict who the next one or two would be, I would go ahead and pencil in just on the way I feel about things. Uh, Tyron Weber and Deshaun Brown. I do feel Mm -hmm. good about those, and those are the next two to commit in the next couple weeks. Um, So I I do think that uh, by this time next month, both of those guys will be Ah, in this.
0: Deshaun Brown. In this class. Hell of a pickup.
1: Yeah, I mean, if they land him, which I I have 100% confidence they will, because I really don't see a, a competitor for him right now um he's he's a ball player he he is he is very good at the sport of football um so i do think that, that will be a big one moving forward that not a whole lot of people may pay attention to um when he commits but no he's he's a stud i like him
0: absolutely any uh any final thoughts before we uh before mm. we dip? i will say this uh you have a hulu account Yeah, Have you seen Only Murders in the Building with Steve Martin, Selena Gomez, and Martin Short? I have not. Fantastic. It's so good. If you're looking for a show to watch, and they're only like 32, 33 minutes long, so they're really bingeable, Mm -hmm. super good. Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Interesting. Real good. And then obviously season two of Ted Lasso wrapped last week, super solid. Ten out of ten. I, I,
1: mean? I need to catch up, so I'm not gonna. Don't w- tell me anything. I yet. won't
0: spoil it, but I will say there's. I, in my mind, I don't know if there's been a character that I have loved as much as Nate that has fallen as far as. I Nate. saw that.
1: On, I saw that a lot on Twitter. A lot of people were not very happy with him.
0: Yeah, I don't know if there's been a character that I've loved, it, and I'm not. He wasn't my favorite. But I really, really liked Nate early on, mm-hmm. and I don't know if there's been as one that I that I've enjoyed as much as him. That's fallen as far in my mind as him. So uh, do with that what you will. Um, it's been fun, you know. Yeah. I, I I've I've enjoyed it. We we took a week off, you know. I, we had some stuff come up, but uh, it's always good to be back in the chair. Always good to be back on the mic. So. Looking uh, looking forward to this. Texas game is going to be a lot of fun. I, I really think this is going to be a fun game. And, and if it's not, well, then we'll talk and see if we can't record one on Sunday and <laughs> try, to, yeah. try to sort through it all. But uh, this has been the Pokes Report podcast with uh, Zach Lancaster and Marshall Levinson. Be sure to pick up a Pokes Report premium subscription. We're going to have a lot of really, really good uh, recruiting content coming your way over the next uh, next several months so we're really starting to get into the heart of it so be sure to pick up a premium subscription to pokesreport.com for the pokesport podcast I'm Zach Lancaster that's Marshall Levinson we'll talk to you next time here on pokesreport.com